either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry. You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. Sound the alarm. We have a disagreement this week, although maybe it's not quite the disagreement that you're thinking of. And we'll get to that. We'll get to all of this week's movies. Welcome in. This is the Screening Room Podcast, and she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. We're from MadWolf.com, and let's start out with Mike taking to the stage again, following a business deal that went bust, leaving him broke, taking bartender gigs in Florida. Mike heads to London with a wealthy socialite who lures him with an offer he can't refuse. This is Magic Mike's last dance. Come with me to London. Let's go. So are you in London? I'm going to put on a show at this famous theater. People are numb, disconnected. We're going to wake them up with a wave of passion they've never felt before. Hell yeah. Without further ado, I give you the visionary artist's magic mind. So. It has been longer than I thought since the last Magic Mike. Magic Mike X was XXL. That was part two, mm-hmm. and that was in 2015, wow. so eight years now uh, since that part two. And now we're back. Steven Soderbergh, he took the second one off. Now yeah, he's back. He is. But it's the same writer from all three. Uh, Reed Carolyn is back for all three. And this was really, well, we liked the first one. And remember how much of it was due to Matthew McConaughey. That's, because, I think, the truth is we liked Matthew McConaughey in the yeah, first one. But the he, movie was uh, hit or miss. Yeah, but it was a lot better than this. Let's oh, put yeah. it that way. And the second one was a lot better than yes. this as well. Uh, this one just becomes just a really dumb. Yeah, it's just dumb. Hey, it's dumb as hell. let's put on a show type of movie. Because, yeah, as the synopsis said, Mike Channing Tatum, is just doing some bartending gigs. The business went bust, and he's bartending this private party at this big mansion, sort of a fundraiser run by uh, the socialite, rich lady, uh, Salma Hayek. And at the end of it, she there's somebody at the party that, that knew Mike from his dancing days and tells uh, Salma about, uh, about him. So she hires him for a dance, a private dance there inside the uh, inside the mansion. Because she's having a very bad day. Bad day. And, she's and a, got... bad, a bad time. She's going through the divorce. Yeah. That's how she's become, get all this wealth, going through this divorce. But uh, yeah, and this dance just changes her entire life. And suddenly she wants to take Mike with her to London because she has pretty much inherited ownership of this theater. And they're putting on this big stuff, these big stuffy productions, and she wants to turn it all around uh, with a, a, a jolt that can only be provided by who? Magic Mike taking over the show. Dumb as hell. <laughs> it's just so dumb. So you know, and there's there's this thread. You know, it's like she's at a point in her life where she has to choose between this rich man that she is just in this lengthy divorce over and may never really complete because it'll leave her broke. And this hunky guy who, does he love her? Does she love him? And so, but the whole point is she hates the show that's going on at this theater because th- this that's the same thing that this Elizabethan character, she has to choose between the the rich, loveless marriage or the butler or something like mm-hmm. that. And um and the right right away you know the Salma Hayek character is like why does she have to choose why can't she have it all and yet the film makes that character choose by the end of the movie <laughs> because it doesn't do anything very well it doesn't uh, although let's say it does 
have some nice. There's a couple of nice dance sequences. That is really true. There really are. There's one. There's one on a bus. Now, how they get to that dance dance sequence? Don't don't overthink it. In no. fact, don't overthink anything oh, in this movie don't. Yeah. because you'll get into trouble. But the dance sequence on the bus is pretty cool. It is um, because once he gets there and he and she finally convinces him to take over this show. Then they go out and they hire all the best dancers they can find in Street London. Street dancers yeah. and yeah. You know, so, contortionists. Yeah, and- so these guys can obviously dance. And so you have this one on a bus. And then toward the end, once they put on the actual show uh, and surprise everybody, because people that come to the show, once it's completed, they, they, they don't know what they're in for. No. Oh. But uh, And during that show, Channing Tatum himself and another dancer, they do this really cool thing with water that this water ends up all all over the floor of the stage and they're sliding around on it, it Again, looks don't don't think too hard about don't, that either don't because <laughs> we, we were both like where's the water going yeah don't don't think about how quickly they move on to the next number and it's completely dry don't but while it's going on with all this water it, it really is pretty sweet looking you know it's funny i remember uh i recall from the first one i've reviewed all three of these movies by the way I recall from the first one that that Channing Tatum did. He was a stripper in Florida when he was young, and yes. this is and that's where the this thing. came from. Yeah, yeah. He he's very. I don't mean he's very good stripper. He's a very good dancer. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, he's all, uh, all he's, most of the guys in that they get for the show are too. There is a lot of good dancing in this movie. There is, but what I'm pointing out is that I, I'm not. I don't know that he is just the the actor. If he gets enough credit, he gets chance two or three very Channing Tatum specific very. Well choreographed dance numbers, and he's yeah. he's quite good, um, and you know, and he's a, he's got great comic timing. He's not like he's he's not bad in it. She's not bad in it, and she looks glorious, by the way. She does. And also, I was talking about this with my sister the other day. So Channing Tatum's last film was um, the one with Sandra Bullock. And he secretly pines yeah. for Sandra Bullock, and the one she's where not Brad paying... Pitt showed up. Yeah, Brad yeah. Pitt showed mm-hmm. up, and um, and so Sandra Bullock is about ten years older than Channing Tatum, and and Salma Hayek is about ten years older than Channing Tatum. And what I'm saying is, I didn't love either one of these movies, but I think that he is uh, he is carving for himself a niche that will keep him in jobs for a long time <laughs> as the super hot guy who likes middle aged women. Because I know a lot of middle aged women are going, oh yeah, I can watch that. That movie. was uh, that was the Lost City. There you go. Yeah. But I will say, and maybe I need your opinion on this, I think, let's just say a, a, a big group of women, they get together, they want to have a girl's night and go and go see this movie for the eye candy. And I'm not sure it delivers as much as the first one did. I, I, I get it from the first one, but I don't think this movie delivers that as much. I'm the wrong person to ask because I hate those kind of scenes. But, well, um, you're better than asking me. Well, so neither of us know. <laughs> the point is, it's dumb as hell. It really it's is. It's just so dumb. It's so dumb. It's a, so her character wants to shake up the London stage by essentially turning it into a strip show like those are hard to come by. And then and then at the end, all of these people are, oh, surprise, it's just a strip show. And they're all, all applauding. They're, oh, thank God, it's a strip show and not a well-choreographed piece of, of literature for the and stage. Even, it's so dumb. And even, I get it because, you know, all three were written by the same guy, but even the direction. I mean, early on, there's a couple reaction shots. Oh, yeah. Just, Soderbergh directed this? I know. They are just so over the top and mugging. But uh, yeah, just just do and it then all of the side characters. Oh, you, my. you could have made the film 
With you could have stripped away everybody else stripped, in the movie. See what uh-huh. you did. None of them are of any value. They add no. nothing whatsoever. There's like a Mr. Belvedere character, completely unnecessary. Well, and then they try to do something with Salma's daughter. That, but they don't. Yeah, it, it, it's just like one of those. I mean, you could take it all the way back to to Mickey Rooney oh, yeah, and, Judy and and Judy Garland movies, all the way back to the, the Little Rascals. Let's put on a show. Yeah, that's pretty much what this is. Yep, and just really just do not overthink it at all because uh, it's pretty dumb. Uh, but there are a couple of good dancing sequences, and that is Magic Mike's Last Dance in theaters now. Let's go to Netflix next for a rom-com. Two long-distance best friends change each other's lives when she decides to pursue a lifelong dream, and he volunteers to keep an eye on her teenage son. This is your place or mine. He is into you. No, he's not. Uh, you and I tell each other everything, right? Always. I think I may have met someone. Can I tell you something? Immediately. The night that Debbie and I spent together, after I found myself thinking about her. You have to tell her. It's too late. Cause now Wait, what is all this? Peter's not interested in me like that, is he? I feel like we should see what you and I could be. This is a minor setback, right? All you have to do is take a chance. I don't take chances. So what are you going to do? Well, here's where the disagreement (laughs) comes in. Not whether we like this movie or not, but whether this one is worse than Magic Mike, because I think it is. You know what? I think it's because Salma Hayek is in the Magic Mike movie, and that (laughs) puts it over the cliff for you. That's all I can think of, because while this is not good... It is. It's exponentially better than that Magic yeah, Mike movie. I, I don't think so. But anyway, it's uh, it's not good. And it starts with the fact maybe you've seen lately on social media the pictures. In fact, um, Ashton Kutcher. It's Ashton Kutcher and Reese Witherspoon here. And you may have seen some that I think Ashton's wife Mila Kunis was actually making fun <laughs> yeah. of because everybody was. There were pictures of Ashton Kutcher and Reese Witherspoon at the premiere, right? And they just look so awkward. Yeah, because they they may they may be good friends and they may be wonderful people. I hope so. They have no chemistry in this movie. None at all. And apparently in real life. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> no chemistry whatsoever. And I think, you know, in a way, maybe it serves it for a minute because you're just supposed to be 20-year-old best friends. They've right. been best friends for 20 years. But, you know, as you know full well the whole time, they're going to end up together because right. they're secretly in love with each other. And that's what you don't buy for one second. Right. And which is okay. Because these types of movies, we've said it a million times, we know that, we know that. We just, the point is, how do we get there? And you don't get there very well. This is one of those, it's on Netflix, so if you have Netflix, trust me, you could have this on basically at a party. And you could walk in and walk out. You don't know. You're not going to miss much. You're not, not going to miss much. any sort of logic or or any kind of good storytelling. But you, you'll you just know at what point in the story. Are they together yet? No. Uh, because it starts out, they hook up in their 20s, I guess it is, at a party one time, and then they just decide to be friends. And so they're best friends forever. They're bi-coastal. Um, he's in um, New York, and she's in L.A. Mm-hmm. And then there's this thing where he has to, she has to go to this conference and blah, 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 and she's got somebody to watch her kid. And first of all, her kid, they say the kid, the boy, is 13 years old, and she's running around trying to find him a babysitter like he's seven. And not, I mean, not just for the trip. Not, I mean, you can't, obviously, you're not leaving your 13-year-old alone for, for a week. But, you know, for an hour. There's yeah. like an hour-long span. We're like, is there something really wrong yeah. with him? Yeah, but anyway, 
Um, and so it works out where he says, you know, I'll come. I, I'm between clients, and he's he's obviously this is one of those fantasies. <laughs> yes, obviously, but everybody's rich. Yeah. Even even Reese Witherspoon, who talks about how she's a struggling single mom that can't afford this or that. No, she's she's doing quite well. Yeah, clearly. To, c- compare, you know, if you uh, compare the surroundings, but anyway. He's doing very well, so he comes out and he stays at her place and takes care of the boy, and they they bond while she goes to her conference and meets somebody, a book publisher. She loves books, blah, blah, blah. She ends up meeting an old flame of his uh, who just becomes just a sad comic relief character, like one of these zany characters that just comes in at a sitcom on a sitcom, like a Kramer almost, except that you're you're back week by week and you get to learn about them. Here, all she is is just she apparently has no job and no life and she immediately becomes best friends with, with Reese and just is there to be zany and talk about her clothes and try to steer her in directions to hook up with guys and it's it's just inane. Yeah, it's you know, and, and actually, just, just word to the wise, if you do show up at a conference and some woman that you don't know out of nowhere just starts showing up in your life and calling you up and there's something wrong with her, <laughs> that she doesn't have friends of her own. Zoe Chow is, uh, plays that part. And then you have the neighbor who gar- does the gardening, Steve Zahn. Like, what are you doing? And it's just, it's so such... Tignataro, though. Tignataro also shows up. And the thing is, I think uh, I think we both agree, her her dialogue isn't any better. The writing here is terrible. And I think her dialogue, she just delivers it well. Yeah. She she elevates everything with just her deadpan hilarity. And so yeah. she's worth seeing. And I it's, mean, it's, it's, it doesn't make the movie worth seeing. Yeah. The writer-director is Aileen Brosh McKenna. And it, you look over her resume, and she has written, she wrote... Um, Devil Wears Prada. Devil Wears Prada. She also went back, though, she wrote 27 Dresses yeah. and things like that. So I, I get it. These, these fantasy rom-coms, but... Nothing makes any sense. I mean, it's, the story just jumps ahead so quickly. That's why I say you could just walk out of the room and walk back, and you're not. Don't worry about putting it together as far as as far as logically or or character development or anything like that. And then also some of the messages. Messages. I mean, the way that um, Ashton Kutcher gets the 13 year old boy to come out of his shell and make friends. Um, I'm not going to spoil it, but it's a, a little iffy. As far as messages go, but all right, but but one one of the things that just really is hard to get around is the fact that they just even in the end when what oh, yeah. happened, it's like no, it just doesn't seem right. It seems yeah. like that's me kissing my best friend, and yeah, it's, it's icky. It's icky. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, it, I am your best friend. <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> you know what I mean. It just there's there's no feeling of oh they're finally together. No. It just, there's no longing. No, it there's feels no, awkward. Yes, it just, very very. It feels awkward because I guess maybe in the course of human events it's happened. But if you've had a friend for twenty freaking years and then all of a sudden no, that just seems. I think Ashton Kutcher's relationship with the son struck me as a little bit more realistic. Like, I felt like he's not going to want to leave after this week because he seems to be getting along pretty well with this little boy. Yeah. But uh, but no, Reese Witherspoon and him, no. Not no. Her. But, you know, the thing is, and I like her, and I think she's very talented. Her character was completely unbelievable in every conceivable yes. way. And even him, remember how good he was in Vengeance oh, just yeah. last year? Oh, yeah, he was Best really I've good, ever yeah. seen him. But these, yeah, the writing here is yeah, just... they're not asking anything of either one. Not of them. really. It's really, it's just weak. And that is on Netflix now called Your Place or Mine. Well, let's get to a really good movie, and this is out in select theaters now. Two parallel love stories in which the partners are thwarted by hidden, inevitable obstacles. 
the force of superstition, and the mechanics of power. This is no bears. When we got that angel, Jesus. This is from Iranian filmmaker Jafar Panahi, and he's actually in prison right yeah, now. Yeah, he's in a Tehran prison right now, charged with, among other things, um, propaganda against the government. I think he, back in 2010, I think it was, he was given a 20-year ban on making films, wow. writing, or even giving interviews or, or leaving the country. Mm-hmm. And uh, this movie was made in secret, and it really blends fact and fiction because he plays himself as a filmmaker filming a movie in secret. He comes in and sets up in this small village near the Turkish border to direct a movie remotely, to, to uh, stream in with his, with his crew filming somewhere else and give directions. And then it begins, as the synopsis says, two parallel storylines. In one, you've got these two actors from the film he's, he's filming in secret, and they're a couple, a man and a woman, and they are trying desperately to get fake passports to get out of the country. So that's one thread. And then on another thread, you've got the fact that while the director is in the village there, I guess scouting, taking some photos, he may have unwittingly snapped a photo of a young Iranian woman alone with a man other than the man to whom she's been promised. Mm -hmm. And that is a no-no with the villagers. And they are putting pressure on Panahi to turn that photo over if it exists because it would be uh, evidence of a grave and immoral misdeed. And so with those two threads, he, he really does a great job commenting on not only the, the suppression in his homeland against artistic expression and free will, mm-hmm. but also his own choices in dealing with that because he's playing himself after all and the consequences of those choices. And because it was filmed in secret, you, you can understand it's really a guerrilla type of filmmaking. Right. As, as they ask us this morning on TV, it looks like a documentary. Right. It does. Mm-hmm. It really does. And there's a good reason for that. But the storytelling is almost like a a novel unfolding. The the layers, are they're complex and they're deep and they're intelligent. And it's it's just such a such an absorbing movie. And it's, it finishes with it once it gets to these two threads sort of intertwine and they and they get to where they're going that it's one of those and we've talked about well I guess it's a new year now but we talked about last year so many great final shots right this is another one it's such a great final shot because it's one where you feel like is this an ending or is this a beginning and especially if you know his his backstory it it really makes it hit even harder and it's just it's a great movie it is a great movie Um, I am surprised it wasn't nominated for uh, Best International Film. I wonder, I don't know this for sure, but maybe it wasn't a, an, op, an option for Best International because the film, the country of origin has to put a movie forth. Well, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I don't think Iran wants people to see this uh, movie. Probably not if the filmmaker is sitting in jail. that's Yeah, you're, that's a good point. But it definitely, like I said, before we saw it, we saw it on a lot of other mm-hmm. critics' list of Best of the Year and certainly agree. Uh, catch this if you can. It is in theaters now called No Bears. Well, let's go to one next that is Oscar-nominated in the documentary category. This is out now on HBO. Amidst the darkening backdrop of Delhi's apocalyptic air and escalating violence, two brothers devote their lives to protect one casualty of the turbulent times, the bird known as the Black Kite. This is called All That Breathes. 
उनमें कोई फर्क नहीं दिखना चाहिए lovely movie this is it really is right from the opening minutes where you see this bird the black kite flying through the air and one of the the two brothers involved here describe it as a as a bird that swims just swims through the air mm-hmm. one of the reasons that they're fascinated by it and it's so true the cinematography the editing on this movie just beautiful in an ironic way because what they're often photographing is so heartbreaking the the effects of pollution right. and overpopulation and and climate change on this area just devastating but it it makes this story all the more inspiring and hopeful the director is Shanak Sen and i hope i pronounced that right and it focuses on these two brothers Mohammed and Nadim and for 20 years this has been their mission to rescue the these birds uh, clean them up and set them back out in the wild the birds known as the black kite and they're doing it basically from their basement right which is flooded all the time and they're trying to get grants and they're trying to raise money to open a true rescue hospital but they just keep doing this even in the face of all these obstacles not only environmental obstacles but as they as they converse and and Sam the director this is a total immersion type of approach right, you right. know just drops you in there mm-hmm. And you get what you you get the knowledge that you get through the brothers' conversation, and it starts to also touch on other themes, other obstacles in in the area where they live, the marginalization of Muslims, mm-hmm. the violence in the streets, the rising tensions. So there's a lot going on, and the two start start to mirror themselves, and it's it's gently and gracefully and beautifully done, even in the face of all this. destruction and ugliness and uh, it's just the the hope i guess that these brothers and at least one other young man that is helping them the hope that they bring because that's the where they get the title they're basically their philosophy is we're we're a community of air all of us every right. living thing right and as long as all that breathes is treated with value mm-hmm. then it can't we can't be lost as a people and i'll tell you they've just been doing it for all these years and it's such a such an inspiring thing to see people that have such a commitment to this and the birds really are amazing they're amazing looking when you get these up close shots like yeah. wow they are striking striking looking uh and it's it's a really uplifting in a in a weird way because there there's so much there's so much heartbreak involved in this as well but it does i will say Well, without spoiling too much, it does end on a very hopeful note. Nice. Let, let's put it that way. But so worth seeing, especially if you have HBO. Uh, seek it out; it, it's right there, and one not to be missed. And it is Oscar nominated in the documentary category this year. Well worth it. Called All That Breathes. All right, let's go back to theaters for a horror thriller. After the alleged suicide of her priest brother, Grace travels to the remote Scottish convent where he fell to his death. distrusting the church's account she uncovers murder sacrilege and a disturbing truth about herself this is consecration you need help child something for you i come here when i have dark thoughts i think i might be a really bad person
lying. What is it that you think you know? Don't be scared. There's but one God. I was uh, I was excited about this one. Christopher Smith is the co-writer and director. Yeah, he did Severance. Yes, one of our one of our favorites. favorites. Now that's a horror comedy. That is a horror and comedy. a good one. Yes, this it is, is not a horror comedy. No, it's no, it's just a straight up horror film. And but Jenna Malone stars, and she's always wonderful. I mean, I I, I think I have liked her in every single thing that yeah. I've ever seen. And then Danny Houston. Danny is also, Houston, so great. Right there, I yeah. was very excited about it, regardless of the sort of tired premise of you know horror in a convent. I mean. Scary nuns are are a bit tiresome <laughs> at this point to me, mm-hmm. and it's also it's gorgeous. It's incredibly well photographed. It's really, really beautifully staged. A great looking movie, and um, but it's not good, uh, which is unfortunate. So, and Jenna Malone again. I mean, I'm I'm a very big fan, but she's she's not given much to work with here, and she doesn't do much with it, and her accent doesn't help. She's got a a, a, a not very convincing Scottish accent throughout. Um, Danny Houston is good, as he always is, and a lot of the uh, a lot of the smaller characters, the actors are are quite quite good as well. It's just that the movie on it's it's just not very compelling. Mm-hmm. It has some cool imagery, but the story doesn't really come together especially well. It just feels uninspired. It's very pretty. It just doesn't seem to hold together to me. It feels like just a, a really pretty uninspired horror film. Yeah, and that was in, that's actually out in theaters now and called Consecration. <laughs> well, let's stay on horror but move to Shudder. Maya, a Danish has-been actress, falls in love with Leah, a Jewish academic from London. Leah suffers a mysterious seizure, and Maya returns with her to London. There, she meets Leah's mother, Hannah, a woman who could hold dark secrets. This is called Attachment. I've never been in anything like this serious. She's a very troubled woman. I have everything under control, just the way I like it. So, this horror is of the more interesting story. It's just, it's not that, we've seen so many Catholic horror films. There have been so many. This is a Jewish horror film, and we've seen far fewer. Right. Um, and it's about a Dybbuk. So it's my third Dybbuk yeah. horror movie, and I like them, because yeah. nothing goes well for anybody if it's a Dybbuk. What was that one? You know the one I'm thinking of. Demon. starts at the wedding. Demon. Demon. So great. Ooh, so creepy. great. And the other is called The Vigil. I recommend that one as well. Demon is the very best. But I recommend Vigil as well, and I recommend Attachment. Uh, and one of the reasons is because, you know, you think you know where it's going, and you think you know who the villain is, and actually, in the end of it, it's just it's just a story about how, you know, you would really do anything for your child, and like, and and I've seen that thread, that theme come up so often lately in horror movies, and it completely unconvincing every single time. This movie nails it by starting with the opposite perspective and at the end of it i just you just you leave it going i need to go hug my mom um (laughs) but it's also very scary and that's good yep and really well acted and really well written 
Um, and there's a lot of just surprises throughout the movie. I, 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 I thought, especially if you have Shudder, you should absolutely watch it. Oh, yeah. Well, we should say the, the writer-director, Gabriel Bier Gillison, and I probably butchered that, and I'm sorry. And the lead uh, actors, Josephine Park and Sophie Grabal. So good stuff all the way around there. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and that's on Shudder. So, hey, fire it up if you have it. It's called Attachment. Well, let's stay in the horror genre with a Japanese film about a misogynistic photographer beginning a twisted romance with a woman suffering from body dysmorphia. It's called Woman of the Photographs. Brandon Thomas reviewed this one for us. And this is one of the ones I'm usually I'm usually the two of us, the one who's asking different writers to cover different things. Mm-hmm. And I was once I read his review very sad that I gave it one away. I know. And he then loved wa- it. And watching the trailer. So interesting. So, so interesting. Especially as Brandon pointed out, right now, for obvious reasons, we have so many films, horror and otherwise about influencers and social media and the false lives that we lead and the lies that we tell through these these uh, manufactured photos. This looked like a different spin on it. Exactly. Yeah, very creepy, very interesting. Um he says it's it's not Cronenberg light is what he calls it because it is especially eventually it is a body horror. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times people need to know that before they get into yeah. it. But just incredibly well made. Yeah, and this is writer director Takishi Kash- Kushida. Again, <laughs> I'm butchering all these names, and I apologize, but we want to give credit where credit is due. This one is on VOD right now, and uh, yeah, be sure to read Brandon's review. It's up now at madwolf.com, but definitely a different a different spin, which we always appreciate, yes. on a theme that's been pretty popular lately, and that is called Woman of the Photographs, out on VOD right now. And we've got a horror thriller on VOD. Next, a young woman inducted into a bizarre family as their new surrogate daughter. It's called Daughter. There's a couple things you need to understand. Everything I do, I do to protect that boy. Smile. You don't have to be afraid of us. Just let me go. Mother thinks you'll be here a while. It fills me with joy to know that our family is whole again. Welcome back, daughter. I want these last few years to be special. So the next one that I wish I had kept for myself. Casper <laughs> uh, Van Dien plays father. That's all. That's what he goes by. Right. There's also wife, mother. And daughter and right. son. And that's it. It's just your nuclear family gone very, very wrong. You don't really know how any of them c- came together except daughter. You know that she's not there voluntarily. Right. And it's fascinating. You almost never leave the house, which calls to mind this creepy, like, what's going on outside the house? Mm-hmm. Um, it's such an incredibly effective, very, very different kind of thriller Rachel Willis reviewed this one for us. Absolutely loved it. Four stars she Mm -hmm. gave it. It looks great. Performances are great. One of the things that you, you know, that it kind of exploits is that you just keep wondering why mother and brother aren't helping. And then you realize, well, everybody is kind of playing this for 
their own benefit. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot. Of, it's just fascinating, the dynamics within the, quote, family. Yeah. The writer-director here is Corey Deshawn, and she, Rachel, especially called out the performance of Casper Van Dien. Uh, apparently very good, yeah. along with everybody. Right. But yeah, I know she uh, mentioned him for certain, and that is on and, oh, on VOD right now. Another good one to uh, check out this week, Weird and Creepy, called Daughter. Let's lighten it up with a comedy next that features at least one really bad haircut. A misanthropic, struggling photographer just wants to watch TV and eat candy while his wife is out of town, but when a desperate old pal resurfaces, his plans are thwarted with spooky consequences it's called the civil dead i don't really know what to do with myself maybe i'm here to help you fix you in some way there's nothing to fix here man i'm good i've been following you around for a week now man you're a loser okay well i got an idea what's wrong with you i just lied to my wife need to slowly work you into my life. Um, actually, yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. Where are you guys going? Maybe I could just down. sit with you. I hate that you think I'm scared. You're haunting me like Casper the damn ghost. Casper is a friend. Okay, I'll admit that wasn't the best reference. But you got to admit, on the scale of scary shit that's going on right now, this isn't that bad. So this is another four-star movie. And another movie that we didn't get to review. No, Christy Rod did this one. And it's a tough movie to talk about without giving away spoilers. So we're not going to spend too much time on it, aside from the very funny haircut. Although I will say the trailer mm-hmm. gives away what we're not going to say, which is fine if we yeah. don't want to say it, but the trailer gives it away. It takes a very interesting approach to look at social awkwardness and... You know, what you do when one friend is just not quite willing to give up the friendship and the other one is ready to move on. And they invest it with greater stakes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the director is Clay Tatum. The writers are Clay Tatum and Whitmer Thomas, and they are also the two stars. They are. And it's funny and it's sad and it's compelling all the way through. It's a very different kind of movie. Yeah, and be sure to check out Christie's full review. That's up at madwolf.com. But it's in uh, select theaters right now called The Civil. I like the play on words. Not Evil yes. Dead. The Civil Dead. Yeah. It's out now. And how about another horror comedy to wrap it up? A failed YouTuber's weekend in the Poconos turns into a nightmare when a demon joins the party in Mean Spirited. I'm going to literally kill someone this weekend. What's up, Mean Spiriters? We've arrived at famous actor Bryce Levy's monster home. Get ready for three days inside the belly of the beast. We're going to be competitively axe throwing. Andy and I need to be drunk. It's 10 a.m. I guess I'm going to hell. Schlocketeer Daniel Baldwin reviewed this one for yeah. us. Yeah. And it's another of that sort of exploding influencer kind of subgenre in horror. And it's kind of a found footage sort of a movie. On the one hand, it's kind of sending up that kind of bro comedy that you might find on YouTube among influencers. But the problem is that it it also really wallows in that is its humor as well. So if you do like that kind of humor, you may like this more than than we did. Yeah. And this is uh, writer, co-writer, director and co-star uh, Jeff Ryan. But uh, the Schlocketeer Daniel Baldwin's review is up now at MadWolf.com. And that one is on VOD now as well called Mean Spirited. Okay, well, speaking of the schlocketeer, let's check in, see what he's up to. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. 
Taking a look back in the lobby with our weekly check-in with the Schlocketeer, a.k.a. Daniel Baldwin, with all the studio news. What's happening this week? Lots of horror stuff this week. All right, good. <laughs> uh, grudge creator Takashi Shimizu, Shimizu's latest supernatural horror opus, Oxhead Village, will hit VOD and Screambox on February 14th. And the psychedelic horror film Spoonful of Sugar will premiere on Shudder on March 2nd. Then on March 3rd, there's a survival horror film called Hunt Her, Kill Her that's hitting limited theatrical release, and we'll have VOD later in the spring. Blumhouse has a thriller called Unseen, which will be hitting VOD on March 7th. And then the director of The Beach House has a new movie called The Unheard that is premiering on Shudder on March 31st. On April 14th, there's an unscripted documentary hitting Tubi called Dead Hot, Season of the Witch, which sees actress Vanessa Hudgens traveling with her best friend to Salem, Massachusetts, to learn about witchcraft, ghost hunting, and the spirit world. That's that's never a good idea. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> uh, there's a pair of Liam Neeson movies hitting theaters in June. The first one on June 2nd is the action film Retribution, which is from um, Predators and Armored director Nimrod Antal. And the second one that hits on June 22nd is titled In the Land of Sinners and Saints. That one's more of a thriller. Um, it's set in Ireland and also has Kieran Hines and Carrie Condon in it. Oh, okay. So might be a bit more of a classier affair. Yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of June theatrical releases, have you ever said to yourself, boy, I wish I could get a foul-mouthed version of Homeward Bound made for adults? Every day. Well, wish granted because Universal <laughs> has an adult-themed animal comedy called Strays hitting theaters on June 9th with a voiced cast that includes Will Ferrell, Jamie Foxx, Isla Fisher and Randall Park, all voicing um, very angry dogs. <laughs> and it's from the director of Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar. Oh, so. <laughs> I'll tell you, that one, that that movie was polarizing, but it had some laughs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it definitely did. And then uh, in the wake of Skinamarink, uh, raking in $2 million at the domestic box office off of a budget of only fifteen grand, I guess Hollywood's already looking for similar stuff. And as a result, James Wan and the folks at A24 have struck some sort of major deal with a 17-year-old YouTube shorts filmmaker named Kane Parsons. I guess he's made a name for himself off of a series of viral shorts called The Backrooms. Uh-huh. So There's 16 videos of them already. A couple of them have 100 million views apiece. Well, now he's getting um, tasked with adapting that into a feature film with him directing it. And and just when we were talking about polarizing, Skinnamarink. <laughs> oh yeah, that seems to be a love it or hate it affair. Across it the board. really is. I thought it was. I thought it was really good, but uh, plenty of people. Ah, so we'll see. Well, and also with Skinnamarink, between that making a bunch of money, and then of course stuff like Terrifier Two, Smile yeah. and Barbarian making a bunch last year. We've got that Winnie the Pooh horror movie hitting theaters next week. Yeah. But it already opened in Mexico where it's already made over a million dollars. Oh, which my. Means it's already in profit, and they're already prepping a sequel just <laughs> off of that alone. <laughs> Keeping them coming. Oh, yeah. And two more bits for you. Uh, first up, in the wake of Scream 5 success and the fact that Scream 6 is likely to continue that next month, Sony is now doing a Decades Later, I Know What You Did Last Summer sequel with both Jennifer Love Hewitt and Freddie Prince Jr. expected to return. So that will probably roll out sometime next year. Okay. And then lastly, not sure how many people, um, at least on the movie fan side, are excited about the Super Bowl. 
even if you are, it might just be for the commercials and trailers. Well, you don't have to wait that long because there's a round of Super Bowl trailers already hitting online today. Uh, the Fast X trailer, the new Dungeons & Dragons one, and the one for the Adam Driver dinosaur movie. They've got the Super Bowl trailers already online days in advance. Yeah, they yeah. started to release the commercials early, and now the, the trailer's early, too, so everybody can get a look. All right, Come good in. stuff as always. You can catch up uh, with Daniel at the Schlocketeer on the socials for all the latest, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Hey, thanks for having me. Looking ahead to next week, we've got the latest from Marvel is out next week, Ant-Man Quantumania. Also, poo, blood and honey. Yeah, Schlocketeer was just talking about that one. Already has been greenlit for a sequel. Uh, <laughs> Devil's Peak, that's the new one from our friend Ben Young. Yes, excited about Looking that Looking forward one. to that. Also, as you always love, every year, this is your favorite, the Oscar-nominated shorts, yes. all three kinds. I love those, yeah. Uh, they, they usually put them out in, in the blocks. Mm -hmm. uh, you can go see the documentaries or the animated or the full live action. And the nice thing is, usually, because there's five nominated films, but then they... If it's not enough to put out an hour and a half or so, mm -hmm. they'll throw in some other good ones, too. Yeah. That's especially true of, I think, of the animated yeah, a lot. They, they not, tend to run shorter. Yeah, so you can get a full full program there. Oscar-nominated shorts next week. Also, Sharper. Project Wolf Hunting. Hmm. Orchestrator of Storms. Bone Woman. Let It Be Morning. Cat Daddies. I'm a cat daddy. You are a cat daddy. <laughs> and The Other Fellow. That's all next week. But uh, what do you think about this week? Do you love Magic Mike's Last Dance? Do you love your place or mine? That's fine. Tell us why. <laughs> we, we, like, us. we like to keep the conversation going. Hey, you like what you like. Exactly. Right. No, nobody's wrong here. Uh, you can uh, keep the conversation going easily on Twitter. You can find us. We're at Mad Wolf. Also, Facebook and Instagram. It's Mad Wolf Columbus in the main website where you can find all of our written reviews from us from the Mad Wolf Pack, as well as our horror movie-only podcast called Fright Club. New episode dropping any time here. Now that's all at madwolf.com. So keep in touch if you can. Looking forward to it. Uh, until next week, stay well. And she is Hope Mad. He's George Wolf. This is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. <laughs>